0: So I want to take you to a passage of scripture, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, which you're going to go, that is not a Christmas text. Well, I just turned it into one. I love what the Apostle Paul says to these new believers in Ephesus, these Ephesian Christians, and he says to them in verse 16, he says, I pray that from from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Can you read that line out loud with me? Can, can you just look on the screens? Let's read together. So let's read together. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. <laughs> your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Church, that passage of scripture is the heart of Christmas. It is the heart of the gospel, that passage right there is the reason why I call it home for Christmas, because that's exactly what Christ wanted to do, Paul said, is he wants to make his home home right here in you not just coming into a stable not just not just deity and diapers he says the living li- living risen Christ wants to dwell in you that you will have an understanding of just how much he loves humanity and how much he especially loves you let him make his home here home for christmas home for how many got people coming? How many have people coming over for Christmas? How many have people coming over? Nice, nice. Don't you? My mom, you know, she was 93 when she went to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? She would never get out of that house, big old house. I remember when uh, I remember when she was about 70 years of age. She said, "You know, Sam, I think I need to downsize." She had a five-bedroom, three-bath house. Lived in it by herself, and she said, "I need to downsize." I said, "Mom, that's a good idea." It wasn't just a few. It wasn't just a few weeks later, I called her. Mom say, you still plan on downsizing? She goes, Sam, I've got a plan. I said, what's your plan, Mom? She goes, I'm going to expand on my house. I'm adding on to it. (laughs) She added on to the house, no lie. She lived there by herself. And you know what the whole thing was for her? The whole reason she hung on to that house so long because she had memories of all the kids coming together for Christmas with grandkids and cousins, and that's what she loved. For that one thing, home for Christmas. I know some of you are going, boy, I don't want anybody coming over. But some of you, you just like to have people over, and you just feel like, you know, you, maybe you feel like the elderly couple that lived in Phoenix. And the kids never connected with them, hardly ever talked to them. Finally, the dad called the day before Christmas, called the son. He says, I hate to ruin your day. He said, but I want to tell you something. He said, your mom and I, we're done. I'm tired. of our 48, 45 years of misery. We're splitting up. I'm, we're sick of each other. Go call your sister in Chicago. It's over for us. We're done. He said, dad, are you serious? He goes, we're done. He calls his sister. Sure enough, she hears the news. She explodes. She absolutely explodes. She calls her father immediately. She says, dad, you and mom are not splitting up. You are not leaving each other. She is not going to happen, and don't you do a single thing. I've called my brother, and we are going to be there tomorrow. Do not do a thing. Do you promise me, Dad? Dad, I, do you promise, Dad? I, I promise. I promise. Dad hung up the phone, looked at his wife, and he says, well, honey, it worked. He said, they'll be here for Christmas and we don't have to pay for the airline tickets. (laughs) I'm looking at somebody, the wheels are rolling right now. I can see the wheels are rolling right now. Everybody wants somebody to be there that loves them, connects with them. But let me tell you what Paul was saying was the greatest thing that could ever happen to you is to let Christ make his home in you so you can have a revelation of someone that loves you greater than any human could ever expect to do so on this planet. And so I really think what this whole home for Christmas is really about is that Christ came to make his home in us so that we could be at home with him. He knows that this earth is temporal, folks. Just get it. It is temporal. But he knew that there was an eternity of judgment that can await humanity, or there could be an eternity that was with him forever and ever and ever in the presence of God. And he knew that sin was the thing that divided you and your pastor, so he said the what I have to do, he says says, I have to come and make my home in them. Christ came to make his home in us so that we, so we could be at home with him. That is the whole thing. But when you start talking these kind of things, When you hear this prophetic word over here just a moment ago, here's the problem. Every time someone encountered the holiness of Jesus Christ, his perfect life, we always feel that we are never good enough for him to make his home in us. You look through the scriptures, you look through every person He encountered, they never felt they were good enough to let him be at home In them so they could be at home with him for eternity never felt it ever just look at the story look at Matthew chapter 8 you remember the Roman centurion a Gentile when all of a sudden he hears about the miracle working power of Jesus Christ and he's got this servant that's paralyzed and in pain you remember that story and then Jesus says looks at him and he says I'm coming to your house I'm going to heal your servant I'm coming to your home and what's the first thing that Gentiles said I'm not worthy, I am not worthy, Jesus, for you to even step into my house. This was a wealthy man, a centurion, influential. He says, I'm not good enough to have you in my home. You just speak a word, but I'm not good enough. Look when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. He's always trying to tell a story. He's trying to make a point. When the the boy took all of his daddy's inheritance, took the wealth and squandered it, lived in sin, Then he finds himself in a hog pen, a Jewish boy in a hog pen with unclean animals. And all of a sudden, memory hits the kid. And he says, I'm going to go home to my father. I'm going to go home to my father. But look what he says. I'm not worthy to be called a son. Let him hire me as a slave to work for him because I'm not good enough to be in that house as a son. We're always feeling we are never worthy. And it's not just that... It's not just that we don't feel worthy. It's that Satan enjoys telling you how worthless you are. He enjoys telling me all my flaws, making me think that the holy, righteous, powerful God does not want to be at home in Sam, so Sam can be at home with him for eternity. I mean, even people will do it to you. Some of you believe what other people have told you. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? Remember, remember that tax collector? Jews hated him. They actually hated him, and you remember Zacchaeus was up in that tree, and he went to go look to see Jesus come. He just wanted to see Jesus, and you remember what Luke 19 says? Luke 19 says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I love this. I must be a guest in your house. There are some people that you wish they would stop inviting themselves over to your home. But Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus knows who he is. Jesus knows who he is, and the people know who Zacchaeus is. And now Jesus says, you don't get it. You have no hope without me being in your house. I must be a guest in your house. I'm coming home, home for Christmas. I'm coming to your house. But guess who grumbled? Zacchaeus didn't grumble. He said, you got to be kidding me. Come on. You, come on come on over. you got to be kidding me. But look what the people did. The Jewish people, the teachers of the law, the religious crowd of the day, they said, he's going to be a guest of the most notorious sinner, the most notorious sinner, and he is going to associate with that? And that's what the world does. That's what Satan does. See, that's friends, when you start looking at the gospel, when you look at what Paul said in Ephesians, they don't get it. He says it's too hard for you to comprehend. I don't care how long you've been serving God or how long you've been speaking in tongues or Paul Paul and great Paul Paul's papa was a preacher. You cannot fully grasp the love of God because we always feel that we don't meet the standard to let a holy God in. And the reality is, is we don't. But look who he comes over to. Look who he's talking to. He says, I must make my home in you. You have no hope outside of me. How many of you believe he's knocking at the door and we better let him in? Amen. That's the Christmas story, everybody. That's what it is to be home for Christmas. We're looking for other things to bring us joy in our house, other people to be in the joy in the house, but then we know three days later they're going to leave and we'll be sad again. Let me tell you about someone that will come into your house and wants to be in your house if you'll let him. But the problem is, will you never, ever feel good enough to let him in your house? So what, Jesus, what does Jesus do? He walks into the house and makes himself at home in people we never suspect in the Christmas story. I mean, just take, just take for a moment, take, take Mary. I just call her mundane Mary because she was just mundane Mary. Here she is, a teenage girl, minding her own business. And then Luke 129, an angel appears before him, Tell her she's gonna conceive by the Holy Spirit. She's gonna have a virgin birth. And look what the word says, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. What do you mean? Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. She's actually gonna house God incarnate physically within her own. He's going to make his home in her womb. Think about that. Why? Because you found favor. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him. Let's just say the name Jesus. Oh, I love saying that name. Makes the enemy nervous every time you say it. And when Mary gets this, watch this. Mary's going, she's thinking, you got the wrong house. You got the wrong girl listen th- th- i'm nobody special you think about it just for a moment god could have chosen had the, he had the whole world of women to choose from and when you look at mary you find that she is actually a very poor peasant girl you find she is a young teenager and who's gonna believe the word of a teenager and he picks this poor peasant girl, and he chooses this young Jewish girl. He says, "You're the one I want." Mary. Everybody, Mary's the best-known woman in the whole in the history of the world. She's the most famous woman in the history of the world. I mean, she's mentioned over 51 times in the New Testament. 51 times. Oh, that'd be. Let's think about that for a moment. And here God's going. She's going. No, you got the wrong. You got the wrong person. I think sometimes Mary would have a little problem with sometimes because there's a lot of misconceptions about Mary because although she's very popular, the most popular woman in the Word of God, mentioned over 51 times in the New Testament, nowhere in the Word of God does it say you're to worship Mary. Nowhere. It's not anywhere to worship her. And you know the reason why? Mary didn't need to be worshiped. It wouldn't want to be worshiped because Mary knew she wasn't perfect. Mary knew she wasn't sinless, and Mary knew she wasn't co-equal with God. Because she's linking, you have got the wrong person. God would never make his home inside of me, let alone the physical home to carry him. So what was so special about Mary? What was so special about Mary? What was so special about Mary was that she was so unspecial. That's what made her special. That's what made her special. He takes this ordinary, ordinary, run-of-the-mill teenage Jewish girl, a peasant girl, and he uses her in this extraordinary way. And you do yourself a great big favor, sir, to discover something that the same reason God used Mary is the same reason he wants to use you and your pastor if you will allow him to make his home in you. But you can't fully understand the love of God, so you're always fighting this. you got to understand, God wants to make his home in you. He's got this incredible purpose for you. Mundane. No one knows who I am. I'm, I'm not even on social media, Pastor. That's probably a good thing. That's who he uses. Because everything he creates, he creates with this purpose, and you're one of them. You're one of them. That's why the enemy dumbs you down and says, God, you're not good enough for Jesus to dwell in you. You've got too many sins. You've got too much passion. You've got too many. God created you and he called you for a purpose. Everything, how many know everything God creates, he creates with a purpose to fulfill? Except mosquitoes and moles. Okay. I'm still going to have a conversation about the mosquitoes and the moles. You say, how can you say that, pastor? How can you say, why would God use me? I'm always the person tucked off in the back. Why would God ever use me? I don't have any money. I, nobody knows me. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a single person. I live all by myself. I'm going back to my apartment. It's just going to be me. Why would God ever want to use me? Let me just tell you something. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Quit looking to be safe, thinking that Pastor Sam is the only person he would use. Well, he used sister so-and-so. Well, that person gives prophetic words, and that person, well, they give money, and that person over there, they pray a lot. God would never, no, let me tell you something. He wants to use you. He doesn't, quali- he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, and they answer the call when they know I have nothing to give but me. Amen. The bottom line is just give your best, and how many of you have watched him? He'll do the rest. Just give him what you have and he'll do the rest. I love Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21. It says, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. And everybody in this room, under the sound of my voice and watching online, there is a will and a purpose he's asking you to fulfill. He will equip you to do it. It says, may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ, not through the power of yourself." You say, well, I don't have that. I don't have that resource. I don't have that ability. I don't have that intellect. No, no, no. He says, just do what I tell you to do, and I will produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. Why? Because all glory is to him forever and ever. Amen. It's about his glory and never your own. So God's going to call you. God is going to call you today. There may be something God's calling you to you never thought you could ever do. Maybe he's calling you to be a hero at this church through servant evangelism. You never thought you could do it. Maybe he's calling you to give something you never give before. Maybe he's calling you to go pull for the first time in your life and be a giver for the first time to pull something off that tree to help someone. You said you never could do it. Maybe he's calling you for the first time to give your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been sitting off in the distance, and maybe that's the reason why you're watching online is this Jesus thing is getting to you, but you're not good enough yet, you feel, to be in this house. No, let me tell you, he is calling you, and if you want him to use you in his will, all you have to do is respond like mundane Mary, ordinary teenage kid, poor peasant, but all she has is the right response, Luke 1:38. Mary heard all this stuff how can this be I'm afraid Mary responded I am the Lord's say it church servant may everything you have said about me come true and then the angel left whatever you told me God let it come true but just get this I'm your servant I lay down my rights to hear what the Master Jesus Christ has to say. She didn't just say it, everybody. How many of you know she didn't just say that? How many of you know as you read her story? She became the Lord's servant. Even when she was mocked, even when people didn't believe her story, because some, many in that culture didn't believe her story like we believe it today. They called her a fornicator. They called, they, 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 they called Joseph a fornicator. Can I tell you, she went through all of it and said, Let it be as you said. But here's the bottom line. I'm just your servant. I'll do whatever you want. How many know God will make his home in the heart? If anybody says, just do what you want, here's my life. Oh, I hope you'll say that today. Amen. Look at the story. You said, Well, he can't make his home in me, not in me. Look at the story, look at the people. We all feel that way. We all feel that way. I mean, if you haven't just look at the characters, mundane Mary, and then look at the shepherds. Sec- I call them secluded shepherds because they were secluded. Come on, let's look at the story real quick. Come on, let's look at it. Luke 2, 2, 2-8, the night Jesus Christ was born. It says, that night there there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. They thought judgment was coming down on them because they knew, they knew they were not right with God. I promise you. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. How many thank God that is great news? Amen. Changed everything. So look who he goes to. Look, Look who he comes to make his home to. Look who he does. Look who he uses. He uses shepherds. Do you know the history of the shepherds? Because now, now throughout the history of Israel, shepherds, you know, it was a pretty noble profession to have. You know, you have the very first shepherd, which was Abel in the Word of God. He was the first shepherd. His brother killed him because he offered the right sacrifice. You know the story. Abel was the first shepherd. Then Abraham was shepherd. Isaac, Jacob. These were all shepherds, they were shepherds. Moses was a shepherd, King David was a shepherd, so it was a pretty noble profession. In fact, God refers to himself as the shepherd. Jesus, how many know, is the good shepherd. So it was a pretty noble profession throughout the history of Israel, until about by the first century, shepherding had lost its luster completely. I mean, it had just kind of faded away. And shepherds ended up making the lowest class, the lowest class of people just ahead of lepers who were unclean and couldn't be with their families. They were just ahead of them by the time first century rolled around. In the Talmud, uh, which is a collection of interpretations and uh, insights from rabbis, this is what rabbis would write about the shepherds. It says, no help is to be given to heathens or shepherds. That'll make you feel good. They were considered, the reason why is they were considered ceremonially unclean because of the nature of their work. They could never be in the temples, so they were unable to ret- attend religious services. So if you're not in church, you're not in religious services, you're pushed out because you're too unclean. You're ceremonially unclean to be with us. They were isolated, and they were, so they were forgotten out of sight out of mind they were forgotten and the reason that happened was just by the nature of their work they had to keep looking for fresh pasture fresh grass fresh water and because of that they were always mobile so they never even stuck with their families they never stuck with friends and so they were totally forgotten and as a result they were treated with contempt they were mistrusted and they were always suspected because they were moving all the time they were suspected of stealing all the time in fact their testimonies would never be admitted into a court to testify because they were so mistreated, mistrusted by that time. So it was not a cool thing to be a shepherd back then. They were known to be brash and bold. They react, they become brash and bold. They're isolated, they're in fields, they're unappealing to people, so they they were very foul-mouthed and they loved to fight, and so people were always suspicious to them. And now get this. The message that Jesus Christ is born, the Messiah, the Redeemer, comes to the most common person that no one would even think was common but a bunch of secluded shepherds to the mundane and God entrusts the greatest message of the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ to a bunch of smelly, mistrusted shepherds. That's who he gives it to. Now you know why God uses me. And you. Because you see, This isn't so unusual. This is Jesus Christ. This is God's MO. It seems to be all the time. God's always reaching out to the forgotten, the despised, the lowly. Jesus always comes to those, listen to this very carefully, who felt horrible, who felt unworthy, and felt unclean that's who he always would go to all the time all the time that's why you have him saying words like this in Matthew 9 13 for I have come to call those for I have I have I have come to call not those who think they are righteous but to those who know they are sinners not the religious crowd that says I made my quota went to the temple, gave an offering, did something nice, even pulled a coat off the tree, who think they're righteous, and that gives them favor with God. He says, no. I come to those who know that they are sinners. He comes home, and he sits down, and starts eating and fellowshipping with a woman who just slept with three men the night before for cash. He sits there with tax collectors, And he touches the unclean leper, and he goes to people that are full of demons and says, I want to make my home in you. You're the one. Dear God, help the American church to remember that's who he always went to because they never thought he was good enough. They were good enough to go to him. That's what he did. That's what home for Christmas means. And he announces his birth. Think about this. He announces his birth not to teachers of the law, not to scribes, not to the intellects of the day. He doesn't reveal his birth announcement of his birth to those. The Lord comes to the lowly, the undeserving, the neglected, the marginalized, and he shows them the power of love, the power of salvation, and they still can't understand the power of the love, but they said, whatever it is, God, use me. Come to my home. Give me that announcement of who you are. Look, Think about that. Think about that. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying every single one of you, whether you're here or you're watching from a distance, every one of you is important to God. You are on his radar. He wants to make his home in you all the time. Whether you're a secluded shepherd or you're an educated wise man with a PhD, the angel says, let me tell you who this is for. Everyone. Everyone. I bring you good news of great joy, which is for A-double-L, all people. That's right, every one of them. The ones you would think, man, I'd never want them as an extra neighbor, every one of them. To that soccer mom, who cuts you off in her big SUV. You didn't say the cuss word, but you wrote it down on a piece of paper. That's the good news for her. Before you treat that kid poorly through the drive-thru at a fast food joint, He died for that kid in that drive-thru who just can't quite get a hang of the phrase you use no onions please (laughs) and you whip around and you slam your bag on the counter that kid is the one he wants to make his home in To that church member that did you wrong and spoke against you, as wrong as it was, he wants to make his home in them. To that school teacher who seemed to treat all a certain class of kids of one way but treated you differently and said, you'll never amount to anything. That teacher was the one he wants to make his home in. So you can't pick and choose who gets to be in this church and who sits beside you and who he wants at the table. He brings good news of great joy for a all people. To that coach who cut you out of the game when you knew you were well qualified. To that employer that cut you from the job because they were wanting to hire somebody that was a buddy That's the person you have for. And can I just tell you, while we're putting all those lists together, no matter how bad you feel or how holy you think you are or how bad your sin is, can I tell you, you matter to Jesus Christ. And that's the reason why he fought his way to get to you. And just like he said to Zacchaeus, I must get in your house. You must let me in. You must let me in the house and let me look through the closets and under the carpet and in that drawer that you have tucked away in the back. I want in that back drawer where you think you've got it hidden. I want you to know let me into every party house because once I come in, my love will do things in your life you never did because you can't produce it. But the power of Jesus Christ can produce in you a person that stands holy before God, a person that stands free, stands free. A person that knows they're accepted and loved by Jesus Christ. A person that can be mentally whole and clear in their mind. That's the kind of love Jesus Christ is. How many of you say, Jesus, come home for Christmas and dwell in every part of my life today? Jesus, Jesus is Lord, everybody. Jesus is Lord. Let him come home to you. That's who he sits with. That's who he talks with. That's who he fellowships with. So there may be some other people. You might have been in a church or there might have been a preacher or maybe your auntie who said you weren't holy enough for Jesus to come into you. You don't quite make the grade. Why don't you just let Jesus sit at the table with you and let him start making his way in your home, make his home in you, and you let him, you let him into every area, every closet. You let him into every bedroom. You let him deal with the bitterness. You let him deal with the hate, the anger, you let him deal with the prejudice. You let him deal with the condemnation. You let him deal with the abortion. You let him deal with the drugs. You let him deal with the homosexuality. You let him just say, just come on in and take care of every part. Come in, Jesus. I want to talk. Talk to me. Talk to me, Jesus. You let him come in you don't have the power to save yourself, but you don't have the power to change yourself. But when you let the power of his love come in and make his home and say, stay here. Don't ever leave me. Stay here. I promise you, he will change you into something so glorious that only God's glory can be seen and never your own. How many of you want him to live right here in every area, your mind, every area, every area, every area. So then he comes along and he says, you know what I want to do? I want to sit with them. And, they, and they'd sit back there. Satan would sit there and even use them as mouthpieces, the religious crowd. He sits with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus would just smile the whole time and just take another bite of bread the whole time. He says, you know why? He said, I come to them because they know they're lost. That's what he said. They're not trying to play a game. They know, Jesus, I've got hangups, I've got secrets in. Boy, but he could not handle the person that acts so righteous, but the whole time they know they will never let him into this secret closet of theirs. He knows it. These folks open up everything. Come in talk to me, Jesus. And he says, come on, let me sit at your table. How many thank God he invites us to his table We invite him to our table, amen.